The Dapper Dividends Podcast is on the air. What is going on? How are you doing today? I hope you're well. I'm doing well. So this is going to be an interesting episode because I was just on the Frank Malarczyk YouTube channel. Now, Frank is 20 years old and he invited me on. He wanted to hear about my backstory, some of the things I look for in investing, some of the things I like and whatnot. And we went a little bit long on this one, but to kick it all off, it was really interesting. We played two truths and a lie. So I hope you enjoy this episode and play a little game with him. See if you can pick out which one of my statements you think is a lie. And with that, with that, yes, with that being said, here is my interview on YouTube. By the way, if you'd like to also see the interview in person, I will have a link in the description below. And for those of you on Spotify, you can see this live. I am putting the video up. So please enjoy and please turn out here to listen my wonderful interview with Frank Malarczyk. Fire it up. Yes, sir. Looks like we're live here. So uh, just want to welcome everyone to the live stream. Um, today we have on Russ from Dapper Dividends. Um, to just talk investing and uh yeah just go ahead and introduce yourself however you like baby and can we talk investing i'm ready to talk and uh, talk some more so um you know i thought it'd be interesting that i don't believe and correct me if i'm wrong has anyone ever started off your live stream with playing a game two truths and a lie yeah so i thought it might be a little fun icebreaker this is the first time i'm talking to frank live by the way and to all of you, thanks for tuning on in. So here's how it's going to go. I'm going to make three statements. One of them is going to be a lie. Two of them are going to be true. So statement number one is that I met my wife at about 3 a.m. at a goth bar. I had no money. It was on a dance floor. I was by myself. And it was before ATMs were in bars. So I had no money and I bought her a glass of water, which was free. That's number one. Second one is that when I got back from the Navy, I was playing guitar in a band called Don't Look Down. Had to change their name. Now they're called Much the Same. And I knew the singer from high school, but we're all Chicago kids here. And they knew the guys from Rise Again. So in the Give It All video, which was like their big hit song, they invited a bunch of us to go on the L while they played the L train. So in the Give It All video, you can see me in that video. And the third one is that I delivered a baby completely and utterly unexpected and unprepared. So which one of those, Frank, is the lie? Well, I would say the second one, you had a lot of detail there and there was like a lot to the story, you know? So that one definitely seems like it probably happened. And then the first one seems plausible to me, but I'll just say, I think the first one's a lie. <laughs> it was the middle one. It was the one you started with. Really? Yeah, I was, I was mm-hmm. never in a band um, okay. to this day. I've played just in with people in garages and stuff, messed around, but uh, yeah. I was just like did. a lot of detail and layer to the story, I guess. <laughs> That's why I thought you got it. I thought you were going to pick it out. But no, I do know all those, you know, I, I did know those guys and I wasn't in the okay. video, unfortunately. But okay. and then I did. I delivered my daughter. It was completely unprepared. My second daughter, number two. 
And it's because of her I had a vasectomy. So no more kids. She was the last one. And now all of you know my deep, dark, dirty secrets. And uh, yeah, so with that being said, my name is Russ. I do have a little old YouTube channel called Dapper Dividends. Well, it's changed a little bit. Now it's Russ Knopf's Dapper Dividends because... I don't know. I'm and I'm still working with them. Eventually, might drop the dapper dividends because that's just something when we're in lockdown. And I, like a lot of people, started uh, creating content, and I just picked that name in like two seconds just because nobody else had it. So I have the YouTube channel, which I'm, you know, we're all trying to grow and work on. I have a podcast that I also do as well, and the podcast is a little more loosey goosey, a little bit more just me being. You know, me being crazy me and still trying to give some value. I am, let's see, 44 years old. I don't want to go too deep here, but yeah, I'm 44. I'm not going to start. I was born on a Wednesday, April 20th, 1978. It was a cold uh, April morning now. So um, yeah, I'm here in Chicago, born and raised, except for my time that I was in the United States Navy and lower middle class. My father left when I was less than a year old. So basically broken home. My grandfather was in the stocks and stuff, but never really like taught me anything about investing in and about stocks. So that all came much later. And I wish I could go back in time, which obviously we can't, because I'd love to pick his brain on just what he looked at. He did it old school. It was before phones. You know, every morning he would look, I would watch him look at the newspaper and check what the stocks did. And then he would watch the news at night just to see if there was any big news that they would report. But it's not like today where it's just hyper to the minute, to the moment, yeah. you know, and I think it can be worse on some people because we're seeing this stuff constantly. Like me, I'm an addict. I constantly from pre-market till post-market, I'm constantly checking stock prices and not because, you know, I'm trading, but just, I just like to know what's going on and I like to see their yeah. movement. And it's, it's kind of like a sport for, for me and a lot of us. I mean, I just, I really enjoy it. And um, a little bit about me. I have my wife that I met when I was 22. I have two daughters that are, one of them's just about to start freshman year in high school, which for me is kind of crazy now that I am entering the phase of my life that I am a father of a teenager uh, that's in high school, mind you. So um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the rough sketch outline of the, the familial life, so to speak. But uh, as far as, uh, I don't know, did you just want to go right into investing or hit me, hit me with some yeah. questions. What do you want to know? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about your grandfather, like being into stocks and just like how different it was. Um, and obviously there was like commissions and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. I don't know. That's just like a, a foreign concept per se to me, you know, to have like commissions of like five, 10, $20 on a trade or something like that, you know? And I don't know. It's just interesting how the world changes, I think, but. Yeah, man. So when I got back from the Navy, a lot of, I got home in 99 in the fall of 1999, right before the dot-com bust. But I knew a lot of people uh, in particular, I always talk about my uncle's good friend. He quit his job to day trade because that's how crazy it was. You just buy tech stocks and you make money and it worked until it didn't. And then I had another buddy who kept trying to get me uh, to buy stocks. I kept remembering, um, I think it was Scott trade. I don't remember what he said, but anyway, I didn't like the sound of it that I had to pay money to, yeah. you know, 
place the trade and then the other way coming back. So it was like, I was already looking at it. I was starting down, but I don't remember exactly how much it was. Might've been 10, 15, 20 bucks. 1999 sounds right. Maybe like Scott trade or something like that. But yeah, the dot-com crash happened. So I lived through that, even though I wasn't trading. I remember a lot of people being bummed out. I remember it being on the news. Of course, I was 21 at the time, 21, 22-ish. And obviously, I was having fun being a young 21-year-old in a big city like Chicago and happy to be home from, from the Navy. But yeah, my grandfather, he didn't really trade. He would just, I remember, save up... Um, I guess save up chunks of money is that the, the way they used to do it. Cause I think back, back in the day, you had to do it in chunks of a hundred. I believe it was a hundred share chunks that you had to buy stocks. in. so it kind of eliminated some people from doing like outright investing. So I yeah. remember he did a lot of mutual fund investing, but he did invest. I always remember talking about, uh, he, he started funds, um, portfolios for, for myself and my half brothers they were like, he would put just Walmart, Disney, um, Coca-Cola, even the big ones back then. So kind of like just the, the safe blue chip stocks, you know, he unfortunately didn't buy any Apple or anything like that, but you know, it still was good. I think I had when he, he died and he left it to me, I think I had like four, four grand or so. And I used that to put for a down payment on my first condo. So you know, I'm in the house now. Theoretically, that money is still kicking around that he started back then. So I think that's kind of cool. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do is build like a generational, just generational financial legacy for my kids and beyond. And just, you know, helping people that way uh, that are that are not around yet, even people I haven't even met yet because they probably yeah. haven't come into this plane of existence. But um, yeah. that's a, a roundabout way of me just going off the rails. So bring it back home, Frank. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, next? <laughs> I guess just walk through like how you got started investing, you know, what you heard about it, kind of, um, just what got you into that process, uh, got you interested in the first place. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting story. Penny stocks. That's what started it. I had invested that sounds familiar. <laughs> in, yeah, I'm sure it's yeah, probably many people. That's the start. Yeah. So exactly. I had going back to my grandfather, I remember him investing in like mutual funds. And I had been doing that through my work through the 401k really didn't pay that much attention. Whatever my money was going into for years, it just kept going into those things. Kind of like uh, just blind investing, I guess. And yeah, again, you know, you always wish you could go back and do things differently. I wish I could have put more money in. I wish it could have been baller. I wish it could have been. Uh, you yeah. won't get that. I, I might see. I started going into the ski low. Uh, I wish it was taller. I wish it was baller. I wish I had a girl that would call her. And then my brain said, no, you got to stop it. Because that's like your MTV raps era, like late 90s. So some of my references can be lost on people. And that's when I mess up because my brain tries to, you know, put the clamp down on the mouth. But anyway, so shout out to Skilo if he's still around and uh, investing. So where did I get my start? I got my start from penny stocks. I wanted to start taking a little bit more, you know, I, I thought maybe I could learn investing and I had started 
playing fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football, and did pretty good. I was like, okay, I learned this. I made money. So I'm going to learn this stock thing out. Like I'm going to trade penny stocks and then, you know, I'll probably get good at it and I can quit my job. So started looking for a platform. This was like late, late 2017. And I remember Googling uh, free stock trading because I I had no idea. I didn't want to pay commission anymore uh, or not anymore. I didn't want to pay commission because I remember people paying commission. And I came upon Robinhood. So found Robinhood and just started making every mistake in the book that most young investors do. I was, I didn't want to buy like, you know, I remember looking because of my grandpa with Walmart, with Disney. And I was thinking like, man, these are like almost a hundred bucks a share and, and more. I thought, dude, that's way expensive. I don't know. And then you'd see like, um, I think LEE, ticker LEE was my first penny stock purchase. And I want to say they were like newspaper publishing or something. I probably should have Googled that, but um, they were my first didn't go so well. And then I kept trying it again, trying it again. I found stock twits, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with stock twits. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I don't really go on there or anything. It's a it's a playground it. for degenerates. It's like high school. Yeah. It's like being with a bunch of I mean, you know, girl half naked girls and you know, fart jokes and stuff on top of like stock information. But I I kind of find it entertaining now, but um, yeah, I found stock twits and because it was like Twitter for stocks, I didn't really want to get on Twitter, even though I had an account at the time it was dead. It was dormant. It wasn't being used. Eventually I blew the dust off that baby and started, you know, actually it got hacked. There was some like porn adult thing using my, my Twitter and I went on it and there was all these like, like tweets, like, you know, click this link and girls and whatnot. So um, I was able to delete those and change the password and all that, which was strange. But uh, stock twits found people that would just talk about penny stocks and everyone, you know, got to get like total pump and dumps. And I always got in on the like the upper floor of the pump and then I would hold it through the dump. Found out I was really good at holding. I had a lot of trouble selling. I didn't like to sell stocks. But buying was super simple, man. I'll buy anything. You know, you just give me just give me the wink and the nod and tell me why it's going to go up. I'll put money on it. And that didn't work out so well. So I wanted to shift away from penny stocks and I found Udemy, you know, learning. So I took some classes on swing trading because I thought, OK, that this might be a little better. And I kind of did, you know, a little better employing some of the rules that we learned in some of the courses I took, but no, I, I just would break the rules ultimately. And I would just keep holding things. And I came upon Neo, you know, the, the electric car company in September of 2018 when they IPO'd and I put you know a few hundred bucks, which at the time was a lot for me on Neo. Cause I thought, Oh, cool. Like kind of like Tesla, but you know, they were saying it was the Tesla of China. And it just started going down. I kept pumping more money into Neo. It would go down. I'd buy more average down. And I kept saying like, all right, so when this baby goes up, I'm going to sell and I'm going to get my money back. Well, it didn't go up and I eventually got a hundred shares of it. But I was at one point down like 94, 93, 94% on Neo. And it was at that point that, 
here in the United States, for all our international viewers, the pre-market starts trading at 4.30 a.m. I believe it's 4.30. It's been a while since I looked, but it's I think it's 4.30 a.m., 4 or 4.30. So I would have trouble falling asleep because I was so nervous. Like I just wanted, I put more money in that day. And I was like, all right, tomorrow it's going to pop. I'm going to get the money back. And I would have trouble falling asleep. I would, bad sleep, I would wake up, start checking the phone. There I am, my wife's sleeping next to me at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, just looking at pre-market, just like willing Neo to go up so I could get my money back. And it was after about three nights of this, and I was just really tired throughout the day and grouchy, not myself. And one of those one of those um, mornings when I woke up looking at it, and I was like, you know, this, <laughs> this can't go on in perpetuity. Like, I cannot just keep losing sleep. I'm going to die if I keep, either I got to quit investing or there's got to be a different way. And I remembered my grandpa, maybe it was, you know, divine intervention or whatnot. But I remember him talking about Walmart one time and saying Walmart is a good dividend company. So I really didn't know what dividends were. You know, I, I'd heard things pay dividends, but so I Googled dividend stocks and that just, you know, Alice meet the rabbit hole down. I went and just started every day. I mean, just kept growing on me, growing on me. And it took a minute to click because the first dividend I, I bought was AT&T. And at the time, I think they were like 39 cents a share per quarter, 38, 39 cents, something like that. And I remember I bought like five or six shares. And I was like, so I got to wait 90 days to be able to get this, you know, paltry sum of like a couple bucks. This is crazy. I was like, I could just make a swing trade and get that in like, you know, a day or a couple hours. And I ended up selling AT&T and still tried more swing trading. But I, I think it was Merck, you know, see how your brain, the details get fuzzy when you get older, but I believe it was Merck. I was in on a swing trade and I had sold them and I sold the position, but it was apparently after the ex-dividend date, which is the day that you have to own the stock on. You can't buy it on that day. You have to own it the day before in order to qualify for the dividend. So I had I knew nothing about that. And all of a sudden, I remember on Robinhood, one day it said, you know, whatever, Merck dividend, you know, a few bucks. And I was like, oh, yeah, like the, the dividends. That's right. And I, I had sold it. So I was like, huh. So then I just started. One thing led to another, just started researching it more. And I thought, you know, this gives me a lot less heartburn that I'm just getting paid to do nothing and hold these stocks. So I said, well, what if I just buy really good companies and I never sell them and I keep adding to them, then I'm just going to keep getting growing streams of, of income. And, and then of course, you know, books, podcasts, YouTube. Um, I don't think I took a dividend course on Udemy. No, but just with all that, so that was late, late 2018, um, early 2019 that I really got into it and spent all of 2019. And then obviously up until 2021, I was like, you know what? Oh, Ian Lopuk. That's who I found. You, I mean, we all love Ian Lopuk. Shout out to the man. I can't believe I haven't mentioned yeah. him this far. But yeah, Ian Lopuk, the man, he's the one that I really, really gravitated toward when I toward when I found his channel. It was just like a, the light bulb went on and 
I was like, you know what, this is for me because he's talking about buying, never selling. Like his time frame is like Warren Buffett forever, obviously with the caveat because things do change. But yeah, so then I remember thinking like, well, Ian Lopek, like this is crazy. So he's getting a few bucks talking about dividend stocks. So there you go. That's how I ended up starting Dapper Dividends. I thought, well, I'm going to talk about dividend stocks too. And um, yeah, YouTube has been a humbling journey to say the least. I have almost, I think around 450 videos. And I would say probably 400 of them are really bad and, and not really something I'm proud of putting up. So that's been a lesson. And, you know, I wanted to start the channel to talk about dividends and dividend investing. And before long, I, I think my second video, our toilet backed up and I had to, to rod the drain out. So I had my wife film me and I was showing the viewer how I'm rotting out my toilet. <laughs> I look back now, I'm like, if I didn't know me, why the hell would I watch that? I want to hear about dividends. I don't give a care about some schlub that's rotting out his toilet, you know? So it's funny, you look back, but in the moment I was like, oh, there's probably some people that are going to find this useful or helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't work out so well. But, you know, now I've, I've been recommitting, you know, on my banner, it says dividends, period. And of course, like three videos ago, I was so upset about Celsius, uh, the crypto firm that's gone bankrupt, where I have like 75, 80% of my crypto app, that's probably going to be completely lost in all likelihood. And I did a video on it. And then that was kind of the one on the next podcast. I was like, you know what? I lost like six subscribers after I put that. And I don't blame them because dude, it's supposed to be a dividend investing channel. And there I am again, talking about crypto. So um, yeah, that's yeah, kind I mean, of the, at that the point, long way, you know, to go at ahead. that point, that's kind of like, uh, I think maybe where it makes more sense to, you know, change your channel name to just be your name. Cause then it's not, as dividend focus, but, but it definitely helps to have like a really like direct focus to the channel as well. So I definitely yeah, so, struggle with the same thing of like, <laughs> just wanting to like talk about things that I think are interesting, but also have like a focus for the channel too. It's like, yeah, take it from me, man. I've found out the hard way, believe me, 450 videos. in. I've, I've found out the hard way that you have to have that specific audience that you want to talk to. And for me, my first passion to, to get the whole thing kicked off was dividend investing. So that's what, that's what it is now. That's what I'm going to stick with. And every time I get that little itch, like, you know, I should talk now, unless it's, if it's not, you know, dividends from an ETF or um, stocks, I'm not going to talk about it. The bubbly yeah, man, sorry. It's a problem drinking carbonated stuff. Set that over there for a minute. Yeah. What's up? How's it going, man? I'm rattling yeah. on here. How old are you? No, I don't even good. know. I'm 20. Right Get now. out of here, dude. 20? Yeah. Man, if I could go back to be 20. Yeah, when I was your here you go. When I was your age, yeah, I was in the Navy. <laughs> I was I was on board the USS John C. Stennis CVN 74, which I think I'm gonna replace this guy with back here, Ben Franklin. Uh, you know, I have a problem because my camera has the autofocus. And if I move around, <laughs> it'll focus on him. So half the time, oh, here we go. Half the time I'm fighting with this, this guy. So I think I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to put it in the garage or something. But dude, 20, that is outstanding. That, I mean, look at, you're investing. You've got a YouTube channel. 
And I mean, you're so far ahead of the game just talking about personal finance. <sighs> Come on. Catch yourself yeah, it's, on uh, the back, man. It's a, it's a long game, and uh, I guess it helps to start a little bit earlier, but... A little bit. No, it helps a lot. It's a monumental helps to start earlier. I got my daughters invested. I started portfolios for them. So the stimmy checks, you know, we're getting the stimmy checks. I, you know, thankfully I'm at a position where we don't need that money to eat. I didn't want the money. I didn't ask for it. We did donate a portion of it to charity, but the rest of it. So all of their stimmy checks, I opened up Schwab accounts for them and you know, again, some protestation from them. They didn't really want, uh, you know, they don't really get it yet. They still don't. They're teenage girls. But I wish yeah. I told them, I'm like, dude, if you talked investing, you know, you'd probably get featured on CNBC. Like people love feature stories about young people and young females. I'm like, they don't care. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't <laughs> want to hear it. But I, I let them pick. I, um, I pre-selected like I think it was maybe like 15 dividend stocks that I was okay with and said, okay, so you're going to pick several of these to put your money in. And, you know, just the usual suspects, the, like um, they got McDonald's, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo. Um, my one daughter did want Tesla. So she has some Tesla, which she's, I think that's her best performing stock, oddly enough. Uh, the one likes Dr. Pepper. So we got her doc carried Dr. Pepper. The kids love Cheez-Its. Do you eat Cheez-Its? Not really, no. Yeah, Kellogg's makes Cheez-Its. Okay, my fam, my, yeah, my family is basically helping to support and sustain Kellogg and their dividend by the amount of Cheez-Its that we consume through this house. We buy them by the truckload. It's absolutely insane. But <laughs> so Kellogg. So at least I told them when we go buy Kellogg, you're getting an itty bitty teeny tiny portion of that back in the form of a dividend. So. I think just the fact that they know what dividends are is going to help them in the future because so many kids their age, especially girls, probably couldn't even begin to explain what a dividend is. So at least my girls can say, which I think one of them's walking there and they won't. Who's over there? Oh, it's just my wife. You want to say hello? I don't know if she will. Let's see. Anyway, I'm talking to Frank. We're live on the internet. The whole world's here. Here, look. This is my wife. Hey. Hello. Yeah. I would wave, but I got waters in my hands. So <laughs> anyway, I thought it was one of my daughters. I was telling them the story. Um, yeah, so I, they at least know that there's companies that bring in money and some companies return a portion of that money in the form of a dividend. I didn't even know that till I was, you know, probably in my 30s. I mean, I not like I know it or like they know it or they've had it explained to them. So and the fact that you know it is huge, man. That compounding is massive. Yeah, I think it's definitely like even if it's they don't have like a super great understanding of it, you know, you're starting to like put that those seeds in their heads, you know, and eventually it'll probably sprout a little bit. Yeah, so my, my oldest one, she got a graduation card just recently, the one that's going into, uh, so my daughters are 15 months apart. The one is going into freshman year in high school and the other one's going into eighth grade. So my daughter got uh, $10 from a, a family friend and she gave it to me and uh, I said, oh, good. Well, now we're going to invest this and you can pick it. And the younger one said, 
she said, oh, you messed up. She's like, you gave it to dad. Now he's going to invest it. You just lost that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, oh, you fool. You gave it to dad. Now he's going to invest it for you. I was like, yeah, guilty. I'm going to turn that 10 bucks into like 100 bucks in 15 years for you. I'm sorry. You know? So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. I'm hoping it clicks one day. I'm hoping they understand it. And even if they don't, you know, we're still going to have these accounts for them that are, you know, not much. They're bringing in like 15 bucks a year in uh, in Patty and provide in projected annual dividend income. So uh, it's good. It, you got to teach the younger kids. And I wish I would have done it sooner. I invest in a 529 for them. I started that when I found out we were pregnant with my first daughter. I just started saving like 50 bucks a week or a month. I don't remember what it was, but it's, it's grown pretty sizable. And I've done that for the both of them. So um, yeah, man, the kids. Yeah. I think uh, one thing we haven't really talked about, I guess, is your like goals. So what was your, when you first started investing, did you have really any goals or were you just trying to like make some money and yeah. So what were your thoughts there? I probably should have mentioned my favorite quote that I have hanging up and I look at it uh, every morning and every night, every, every time I come in and out of the house. And it's, you know, Big Warren B, the Oracle, is that if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. And I, that was probably the most important quote. I'm not at the point where I'm going to get it tattooed like on my chest yet or any, or something like that. <laughs> Maybe someday. But um so that was like the main goal, like that just really turned the light on is that yeah, if you don't save and invest, if you don't put some money away, you're literally going to work until you die. You will have no choice. So when I initially started, I had the lofty goal of passive income covering all of my expenses by my 50th birthday. Now I have six years, a little bit less than six years. So that happens. Don't know if I'll be there, but just in... The one account that I share, so this is the this is three of them. Two of them are retirement accounts. One's a Roth, one's a self-directed IRA, and one is the taxable brokerage account. So that one is at like twenty almost twenty twenty-five hundred dollars. Excuse me. This is bubbly. Somebody's got to get Ramon LaGuardia from from PepsiCo and he's the CEO and tell him the bubbly's too bubbly. I gotta get on the horn with him and let him know that. So their research and development crew has to uh, to, to funnel some more dollars into making the bubbly less bubbly. But anyway, so I share the taxable uh, account on the channel, and that has been almost at $2,500 right now in annual dividend income. So even if I don't put another penny into that, I'm going to get $2,500 if all things remain equal and there's no cuts for doing nothing. And that's crazy because I immediately think like of the dividend income, just that buys, you know, we're not even talking about, like I, I joke that I let the uh, dividends collect and then I cut them with new cash and then I target uh, allocate and redeploy into uh, dividend stocks. But just by itself, 2,500 ish dollars, like that's huge. That's huge. And even if I were to take that, that's bills, man. That's, you know, that's a mortgage payment and then some grocery bills if I wanted to just um, just save the money, you know, and not, not reinvest it. So the goals are to have 
as much passive income coming in because when we have more money, like money's not going to make us happy, but what money is going to do is give us options. So I don't want to have money just for the sake of having money. I want to have money because I want to have options. And the more options we have, I think the happier we can be, not the happier we will be, but the happier we can be. And that is one of my goals is just to have as many options as I can so I can do what I want, when I want, with who I want on my own terms, like that type of thing. And basically, I want work to be optional. So I guess if I were to have my adjusted goal from when I first started, it is to have work optional on my 50th birthday. And I may be there, meaning that if I wanted to quit what I'm doing, which by the way, I work in the uh, commercial loading dock and industrial door um, sector, I wanted to say here in the Chicagoland area, I've been doing that for 23 years now, which is insane to say I've been doing that longer than you've been alive, Frank. But it is what it is. You know, I joked that I started doing that and I was going to do it until I figured out what I want to do. Well, you know, things move quick. The money was pretty good. I was doing this when I started out. I was making more money than some of my friends that had a four year uh, bachelor degree from like local community colleges. Plus they had the debt and I just that blew my mind. So uh, I, I like the work. I travel a lot. I drive a lot. And. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this till I figure out what I want to do. I was doing a lot of partying, a lot of uh, late nights in Chicago, living for the weekend type thing. And then I met my wife, well, my girlfriend then. And, you know, just we had fun, then kids. And then once the kids come, the focus is all on them and like thinking about like my career goals or any, anyway, I was just working to work. You know what I mean? Like there was really no clear goal or end in sight. So what this has done to me is given me a clear goal that I have to work forward every day, which is just so, I don't know, man, it's just really cool. And really, really, I don't know. I don't know the the word. I mean, I just, every day I think about it every day. I know that all the money I'm earning, like the money I earned today, a portion of it is going to go toward my retirement and giving me more options and hopefully having, you know, my life be what I want it to be. Because like they say, if you don't define and work toward your goals and dreams, you will forever be helping to build somebody else's goals and dreams. Uh, I'm paraphrasing that quote, probably butchered it badly, but um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's the goal to have work be optional and I guess barista fire, right? Like that's one of the ones they talk about where if I didn't want to do this, I wouldn't have to, but maybe I could just work at a Starbucks for four hours a day, just something to socialize, get out there and kind of have your healthcare covered. So yeah. that's, that's kind of what I think as what I want to work forward and towards right now at this moment, obviously things change in the future. We don't know where we're going. We can't predict the future, but I don't know. You go ahead and say yeah. something, man. I'm yeah, like- I think um, one of the one of the things I really liked that you said was about um, like happiness and um, that at a certain point, um, it's more about having the options and it gives you the opportunity to be happy per se. And I think that's something that's really important for like, I guess, people that are in this like investment community, I guess, to keep in mind because um a lot of people 
might have the thought of like, oh, if I just get to this point, I'll be happy. Or if I just get to this portfolio value or dividends or whatever, you know, I'll be happy. And um, I think you really have to look a little bit deeper than that. And um, there's, I don't know the exact studies out there, but I know there's studies of like happiness versus like income and wealth and like up to a certain point, they're like very correlated because you're like worrying about your basic necessities. But once you have enough like wealth to not worry about that, then there's really no correlation between happiness and wealth, which I think is very interesting. Well, I mean, if, if wealth equated happiness, you would never see a miserable or sad millionaire. You would never see a millionaire that killed themselves. Unfortunately, like that does happen. And yeah, man, it's just part of purpose, right? I mean, we, we have to have a purpose for the money. Otherwise, you know, when you were talking, it reminded me of Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. And I read his book, Shoe Dog, fantastic book. And to sum it up, he basically said that there was so many dark days in Nike's history. There was there was times when he didn't know that Nike was going to be around in like two or three days. They were going to make it to the end of the week. And but for, he just kept chugging along and figuring it out and taking risks, taking chances, doing what he had to do to keep it going just a little bit longer. So basically is the way Phil Knight sums it up is that, you know, he got to the top of the mountain and there was nothing there. And he realized that the whole journey, everything was on the way up. And he almost wishes he could go back and do it again, because had he known that he would enjoy like all those struggles, all those challenges, all the doubt, he would have enjoyed it more. So I think that's kind of cool to hear that from somebody that, you know, is as successful as uh, the, the Nike founder, Phil Knight. But it again, man, it's just money does not equal happiness. And, you know, we it, it's a tool, right? It's a tool that can be used. Like I used tools today. I used channel lock pliers. I used a crescent wrench. I used a sawzall. Like those things don't make me happy, but I could use them to build something that makes me happy. So, yeah, money in and of itself is benign. It's neither good nor bad. It's not evil, but it can be used for good and bad. Right. And yeah, I guess that's, uh, you know, that's the whole thing. We got to give what we do purpose. And like I said, right now, my purpose is to make work optional. So one day, hopefully sooner than a lot of the people that put me on the track and no, through no fault of their own. Like I said, I look at myself as generational middle-class, meaning that I was born middle-class mindset. They told me, you know, you get a good job, save 10% of your income, you retire at 65, you know, you get your week vacation every year type thing. And that's, you know, like I said, I live with my grandparents and they came up through the depression and that's just the way it was. There was never anybody telling me, like I tell my daughters, like, no, there's a different way. You can be your own boss. You don't have to work for somebody if you don't want to. That's completely up to you. Nobody ever told me that I could be my own boss or I could take a risk and do my own thing. So I think I think it's a good thing to have people understand that there's always another way and kind of like makes you the captain of your own ship, man. You steer where you want your life to go. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. Because like that saying, like, right, uh, everywhere I go, there I am. 
meaning that no matter where you are, what position you find yourself in, it's because of you. It's your fault. And that can be sobering and empowering because it means you can pull yourself out of it. You can change course. You know, like I said, I was on the Stennis. Well, we would chart out where we wanted to go. I mean, we didn't just pull out a board and just sail in any direction and drift aimlessly. So I think a lot of people are shift our ships kind of drifting aimlessly. And, you know, since I've become a dividend investor, it's definitely made me feel a lot more focused because I'm working toward a specific thing. I should say I a lot, but we, my wife, you know, we're both on board and, uh, we're both doing what we what we have to do to try and help us get there. You know, all things considered. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I guess we can get back to investing a little bit more. Oh, closely, Jesus! Yeah, yeah. Talk what about, do you want to know? Uh, your, hit me. Hit it. I guess so. When you're buying stocks, you know, what are you? What what decisions are you making like on a daily basis when you're choosing like what stocks to invest in and when? Like, do you kind of try to look at valuations and stuff like that or are you just kind of like adding you know stocks that you like um what's your kind of thought process i guess with that well first i want to say i just clicked on comments it was on private chat and i didn't realize all the people we had in here so (laughs) i thought i was just talking to you frank i forgot that we had people dropping in so double salute what's up everybody um so say that again. I'm sorry. I, I completely got lost. You got me. You know, I was reading some no. of the guys that were, uh, I that's, see you talk fine. to Ryan Williams. Yeah, everybody. Um, evaluations, right? You were saying, what, yeah, what so do I basically look at? Like, what do you look at when you're making the decision uh, what to buy? Your message to Ryan says, and everybody's oh. evaluations weren't just saying, but what do I look at? Look at this. Ready to send it? it? It's sending a message to Ryan Williams. Yes. Send to Ryan Williams. Dude, this Your is turning into a And everybody devaluations, right? You're saying, but what do I look at? Yes. Ready to send it? Yes. Okay, it's sent. There you go, buddy. Look at that. We just had Siri send a message to Ryan Williams. That was wild, huh? <laughs> so he jumped on. A, anyway, um, what do I look at? Well, there's a lot that I look at going into stocks. And man, if. I, I'll try and boil it down to like some of the most basic stuff. Yeah, what yeah. I always you want. You don't have to go is, super detailed. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we won't talk to like uh, you know uh, enterprise value to EBITDA ratios and stuff. But no, like on a, on a very basic level, I love to look at companies that have a dividend yield that is above their five-year average, and that's kind of helping us know that something is at least. If not on sale, you're getting the dividend at a deal because it's above where it normally is, like the you know that mean level. But um, price to earnings ratio, I like to see that below the five year level. Uh, God, dividend growth history. How long have they been paying that dividend? What is the safety of it? So free cash flow payout ratio. I love free cash flow payout ratio over the. Um, the earnings per share payout ratio, because earnings per share can be a really financially engineered and manipulated number. Just one simple fact. We all love to see share buybacks, right? We love companies that are buying back shares, (laughs) but because now there's less shares to spread the earnings over, that means you could actually have stagnant or slightly decline. (laughs) I sound like a snake there. You could have stagnant or slightly declining, um, earnings, but if there's less 
shares to spread that out over, it's going to look like the earnings per share is going up. So just that one small example shows that that number can be manipulated. But if you have free cash flow, that is a lot harder to manipulate unless like my guys on the Dividend Talk channel point out, uh, European Dividend Growth Investor, uh, they point out how IBM is one of the companies that has adjusted free cash flow. I don't know how they get away with that. But most companies don't have that. And from what I understand is the free cash flow number is the hard, just money that's left over. And they can't manipulate that because if they do, people are likely going to uh, fall under the ever-present ever watchful eye of Sauron, a.k.a. you know the SEC, and people will go to jail and be punished. So I yeah. love looking at free cash flow ratio whenever, um, whenever possible. And just... Again, comparing, I like to compare stocks to themselves and to other stocks in the sector that are similar. You know, we're not going to compare Tesla and, and Apple, even though Apple wants to get into cars, which I think would be freaking cool. But also dividend yield when I'm buying for yield. I, I've actually, again, shout out to Ryan Williams, got me turned on to Lowe's. So I kind of turn a blind eye if anything was under like 2% on the very low end. But what we really should look at is just companies that have really quick dividend growth. So I've really started to look more at like Lowe's. They have a really high dividend growth rate really quick. So your money is going to grow much faster or the dividends coming in, right? When you buy that share at that yield, you're locking in that as your yield on cost. So when they start increasing it and giving those nice raises like companies tend to do, which by the way, Ford, I saw increase their dividend 50% today, bringing it back up to pre-pandemic levels. But oh, Charles they Schwab really too. Good earnings. Yeah, yeah. They're... um. They're coming for Tesla, man. Tesla's got competition coming. But uh, yeah, so um, I lost my train of thought. I just started thinking of dividend hikes like Charles Schwab popped in my mind. I think 10% raised from Charles Schwab, which uh, they're making money off me from my options trades. Every time I sell an options contract, it costs 65 cents, which is really nothing when you're doing a $100 contract. 65 cents is, and they have a great platform. What is your favorite uh, platform to use? What do you use to invest in? Uh, if, if I would say probably it. Fidelity is my favorite at this point. Um, I definitely, I guess it's probably not the largest, like um, the like the total assets in Fidelity accounts is probably not the largest across my right. investments. I'm not sure, but um it's the one I definitely like use the most and kind of in the most is, I don't know. It's not like doesn't have any crazy great features or anything, but it's just really solid. And especially when I've talked to like um, customer support, like usually it's been like super uh, quick to get hold of them. Yeah. So that's wild, that's isn't it? Customer support. Like. <laughs> yeah. When I switched to Schwab, man, I, I love that, that, just that awesome. You can call the number and you, you're talking to a live human being within a few minutes and they're yeah. knowledgeable. They take care of stuff. But dude, uh, when I was on Robin Hood, it's really slick and sleek and they really yeah. preyed on that psychological aspect when you see the confetti and you just see just things moving like it, they gamified 
for better or worse, they got a lot of people in the market, but I think they burned a lot of young people that just thought it was like a game. You know, they don't, I tell my kids like, you legally are an owner of these businesses. Like that is really cool. And I think a lot of people that are in the market, even right now today, don't know that when you're not just buying a ticker, it's not like a video game or some, you know, like a casino thing. Like, no, you are a legal owner of that business. And I think that is just really cool, which is why I wanted to own PepsiCo because I, I wanted them as a core position. And I'm sure, you know, I bought a share a week for a hundred weeks. Really cool. I kind of miss it. I, I got a little bit of that, uh, you know, I don't know about addiction. Oh, I guess that was my, my uh, guilty, guilty pleasure was that one share a week. Just, you know, for better or worse, I, I've had a feeling when I was buying it, in the, buying it in the high 170s, that was high, but I just wanted to see what happened and just always be able to say I did it. And it's a company that I am comfortable owning. Uh, like I always say, every business is a living, breathing entity, and they're going to do what they have to do to survive. So a lot of people shy away from like Coke and PepsiCo because you know, they say they're just soda companies and bad food and, and junk food, which, of course, you know, guilty is charged. But like Ramon LaGuardia said in PepsiCo's last earnings is that non-sugar is king. Like that's what the consumer wants. They're not, you know, well, some CEOs, certainly I thought of the Warren Buffett quote that, you know, you should own a business that even a moron could run because one day moron will run it. But um yeah, as far as PepsiCo, I mean, dude, like uh, 55% of their revenue comes from snacks, 45% from beverages, because I can public school math and do that. So uh, it's just, it's really strong. They're evolving. They're getting healthier foods. They're trying to reduce sodium, sugar, saturated fats where they can. They're doing a lot of baked and not fried things. Just again, like, well, for the bubbly here, we got the bubbly. I mean, for this, it. I love it. I think it's great. I I've convinced my daughters to drink that over soda. They still like soda, but I tell them, you know what? I'll buy the bubbly all week long. Just don't drink ten of them a day. But um, companies are living, breathing entities, and a first, the first order of any living, breathing entity is survival. And they're going to do what they have to do to survive. And we see this with so many companies, which like 3M and they spun off their medical supplies business. I think it was just, I read that. What was it? Monday or Tuesday? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, it was, so it, it was one of those days. Yeah. I haven't really looked at like what exactly is going on with that, but I heard about it. So yeah. So I didn't dig in too deep from, but from what I understand is that they're selling off, of the medical supplies business, they're going to retain 20%. And then whatever that 80% looks like, I believe that we will receive cash for that as shareholders, I believe. And if anybody is watching and and that's not right, please comment. Uh, We'd love to know. So that's, um, that's cool. But why are they doing it? I didn't dig into that. I think they're seeing something for whatever reason though, but they're going to get cash and they can you know, invest that, do whatever they want to do. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's, uh, I don't know how I got on this tangent, Frank, but. Yeah, I think, <laughs> but, no, yeah. I think uh, actually 
what I want to add about the 3M thing is I think that's generally or I guess in general doing something like that where you're going to spin off like a part of your business, um, especially for a company like 3M, I think that's like a really good move because I just feel like sometimes with these big companies, um, a lot of people are like, well, look, this company is so diversified. This is so great. But it's like, well, we have all these different segments and you just don't really have as coherent of like a strategy and kind of like we were talking about with the YouTube channel, like it's not as focused on like a specific thing. And so it's harder to just have a specific focus and goal. And so, yeah, I kind of like the spinoff idea. Most likely you don't have to beat around the bush. You can say AT&T. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was bad. That was bad. Like, but I I think a lot of these businesses were still kind of, you know, huffing the fumes of the Jack Welch GE just buying everything. Like, you know, yeah. hey, what's that over there? Buy it. Buy it. We, you know, medical, buy it. Was aviation, buy it. Whatever it is, like bring it under the GE name. But it doesn't work. There has to be synergy. And yeah. we've seen this, right? There's, I, I've lost track of how many spinoffs we've seen, like from Johnson & Johnson spinning off um, the consumer health, which is going to be at the end of 2023. There was, uh, God, who else? Help me out. There's um, there was Realty Income had a, yeah. like the offices. With ONL, IBM had a spinoff yeah. of uh, Kindrel. Yeah. Um, there was another one I was thinking. Oh, uh, uh, GlaxoSmithKline spinning off okay. their consumer health. And dude, there's, I, I bet if we, it's just, it's it's in vogue, man. It's just what every, everybody's doing now, yeah. baby. You got to spin off. Everybody who's somebody in the stock market is spinning off. If you're not spinning off, you're behind the times. So get with it, PepsiCo. What are they spinning off next? Oh, fun fact with PepsiCo and speaking of spinoffs, if I could interject real quick, if I could crowbar into my own conversation, is that PepsiCo used to have, uh, they used to own Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. It better be. Yeah. yeah. So they own those three. I know those three go together. Yeah. Under the Tricon uh, they well, they spun them off into a company called Tricon in the mid '90s. I want to say '95 or six or seven, somewhere in the mid '90s. That's mid, and they spun it off um, because again, like PepsiCo owning restaurant businesses, fast food. What is you know? Yeah, they sell to it, which is cool because that selling part is what they baked in. So. Per the contract of them spinning it off or the terms of the agreement agreement is that for all time that Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell can only sell PepsiCo products, which is why everybody like with PepsiCo or uh, Taco Bell, you see the Baja Blast, Mountain Dew, the Mitten Dew, as all the kids are calling it now, you see that in there. So that's contractual. So as long as those companies and those restaurants are around, PepsiCo is going to have a place and outlet for a lot of their products, which is is interesting. But yeah, so spinoffs, 3M spinning off. And uh, anyway, I, I was going to say something else, but I don't remember. Yeah, Ryan uh, actually <laughs> asked a little bit ago, what's your favorite dividend growth stock is? So. Um, yeah, well, we just, for favorite, favorite, if I had to pick one, it's PepsiCo. 
you know, okay, I, I wish I they were. Yeah, yeah. It, so it was Johnson and Johnson. It was a close tie, but man, that they spinning off the consumer health. They're a pharmaceutical company pretty much right now. And that patent cliff is hitting. I know that like Stellara and a lot of their, their drugs are going to be losing competition to the biosimilars. And, you know, I mean, still a phenomenal company, phenomenal. But from what I've heard rumblings around the community is that Johnson & Johnson's pipeline isn't looking so hot as it once did. Now, maybe they'll make some acquisitions, but even if they do, now they're going to have to spend money to get those companies under their belt and go a little bit more into debt. But Johnson & Johnson is a close second, but I think there's a little bit more murkiness. And again, PepsiCo, just an easy business. So easy to understand. And they are everywhere. If competition pops up, they buy it. And they're just, they have their tentacles into like just everywhere. I see PepsiCo everywhere. So I'm going to say PepsiCo. And they just hit dividend king status too this past uh, this past year which 50 years of consecutive dividend increases for for pep good old pep pep yeah i think um i definitely see that as well with pepsi like just a lot of room for growth um and i think there's a lot of sort of changing trends in kind of like the food industry you know and i i think they're kind of taking uh kind of taking advantage of that i would say and you know, are on the forefront to a certain degree and of that kind of shift. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's fun to watch though, right? Is we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows the future, not even the one, the only Warren Buffett. He does, nobody knows the future. So it's really cool. And that's kind of like why it's almost like entertainment for me. Like why we watch sports because we don't know what's going to happen. We think we have an idea. Sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it doesn't. And I just love to see the shift in consumer demand, the shift in the market, and to see how these companies can respond and to navigate just not, like I said, not only can change in consumer demand, but also just rising interest rates and going into inflationary or recessionary environments that we haven't seen in many, many years. And so far, PepsiCo's passing with flying colors, their uh, shrinkflation, right? They're raising prices. They're putting like two or three more less chips per per bag. So you're going to have to pay more for less food, but people are doing it. So they're maintaining their profit margins pretty nicely. They haven't really gotten squeezed that much like a Clorox, where Clorox's margins are getting squeezed. And so far, they haven't really been able to pass that through to consumers. But I still like Clorox, and I think they'll eventually figure it out. But yeah, it's just fun, man. It's just fun. Investing should be fun. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, I'm probably going to be talking about this till I die, which is really cool because, I mean, hell, I'm sitting in a chair right now. And as long as I got use of my, well, for now, until Tesla's Neuralink comes and Elon starts letting us communicate telepathically, you know, and you can download things to your brain like the Matrix, and I can do this. I can type, I can talk, you know, getting better. It's getting better yeah, every day. Yeah, that's one thing I like about investing is it's kind of like, um, you can do with it what you want um, and you can be like super hands off if you want to and um, or you can be more involved with it. And, you know, for me, it's just kind of like at this point, it's a great um, learning opportunity, I think. And 
you know, I'm not going to be making millions of dollars in like the next two years from my stock portfolio or anything, but um, it's a great learning opportunity. And for me at this point, it's just like a fun hobby, you know, to um, just be learning about these companies and investing and especially with the YouTube channel, um, just learning more and, you know, making the videos really helps me uh, learn more about investing, you know, and just having the opportunity to talk to people like yourselves and other investors and, you know, gain their insight and learn from them too. So, well, it's like they it's say, the, super powerful. the best, yeah, like they say, the best way to learn is to teach, you know? So yeah. in order to teach something, you got to learn it, which is pretty cool. And, you know, when you were talking, you did remind me that you're going to lose. There's going to be losses to everybody watching. There's going to be losses. You're going to lose money in the market. It is inevitable. But in the way you do it, the manner you do it, try not to repeat those mistakes if you make one, right? Because the first time it's a mistake, the second time it's a choice. But it's just it's just a natural part of the stock market is you're going to lose money. And I mean, it's akin to wanting to breathe, but not expecting to exhale. Like it's, it's just natural. You have to do it. So it's, it's a learning. We're always learning, you know, Munger and Buffett and Manish Pabrai are always learning. Everybody is learning. And if you stop learning, then you should be dead because um, I think that's sad if people stop learning things. And I hope to, Learn until the day I die to, you know, tie that in my grandpa, always reading the paper. He was always watching the news and reading the paper, trying to learn something new. And the guy lived to 94. So that's what I hope to do too. That's cool. Uh, we have another question from Steve. He asked about research sites. So I think that's a great question because um, especially when I was getting started, like I didn't know what I was doing. And I think it's, there's definitely a lot of great resources out there. So um, I guess we can both answer this. Um, for me, I uh, I like macro trends. They have a lot of like super great historical data for a lot of companies. Um, and yeah, I, there's a lot of good just data on like revenue and earnings. And you can really see like a longer term trend on stuff like that. So that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah, there's a lot, man. Um Right now, the last year, and those that watch the channel know I've really been using Simply Safe Dividends a lot. And I guess I figured out a way to hack it. So while I'm not making a lot from the YouTube channel, um, it is $399 a year. I really, really enjoy Simply Safe Dividends. So I've used the YouTube money to pay for that, which is why I love sharing it and talking about things from it on the channel. Um, Seeking Alpha, I really like. So those are probably my big two is Seeking Alpha and Simply Safe Dividends. But I mean, there's so many great free ones like Yahoo Finance, obviously, finviz.com for just charts and researching like where you can put in numbers and things. So anybody yeah. check out finviz.com, completely free. Uh, I really like finviz.com. And, you know, there's, man, there's just so many. Jeremy from... Uh, if anybody's into REITs from uh, dividendstockpile.com, turn me on to allreits.com, but it's A-L-R-E-I-T-S, only one L, allreits.com, which is free. That looks really solid. But, you know, Seeking Alpha has, they offer a lot of interesting stuff for free. You know, they, they 150 bucks a year, I think, by the way, is what they are. But yeah, if anyone hasn't checked out Finviz, check that out. And then, you know, Yahoo Finance. 
I don't know, man. There's there's a ton. There's a ton of different yeah. uh, places. To I think go. Uh, Seeking Alpha has a lot of great info as well. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, MarketBeat. MarketBeat.com. Oh yeah, one. they have some good information. That's yeah. I look at that. I actually um, have some kind of like scripts that uh, do some stuff in my spreadsheets, and that's MarketBeat is like one of the only websites that I can take their data sort of and scrape it off. So that's like super nice. Uh, you're going to scrape it now. That. See, that's, that's too advanced for me. <laughs> I, would yeah, you, I use, do I use my floppy disk for that? Do you no, know what I floppy disks so. are? You know what a floppy disk is, right? I think I've seen one. Yeah. <laughs> God, don't say, I think that's, you said enough. Why do I do this I'm to not, myself? I must be masochistic. I could not really describe to you how you like use it or like i don't know yeah it's basically like uh kind of where the information was stored so i played oregon trail in uh third fourth grade in fourth grade i played oregon trail this was yeah 1987 i played the oregon trail on an apple IIe computer and it was just a everybody google floppy disk when you're done with this but yeah, it's just it was like plastic and it was it was floppy, man. You could flop it around and yeah. you put it in the computer and that's where all the data came from. And yeah, and pagers. So floppy disks and pagers were some things that I had from the back in the day. But how, yeah, much, how much data do you get on a floppy disk? Like eight megabytes or something? Oh like God, I have no idea. Probably oh, okay. less than that because I remember it would there would be like three or four of them and you'd get to a point in the game and it would stop and you'd have to take that one out and put the next one in. So it probably wasn't a lot. I'm not a big technical guy. I never have been. I just liked playing like uh, Sega Genesis and uh, I never had Nintendo. I had Sega Master System. This is really dating myself now. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many people here are going back to 1985, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so floppy disks, man. That's where it's at. That's not where it's at. <laughs> oh, I saw one dude, Brad, man. You're thanks for serving our country. You know, I you're welcome. And part of me feels like it's I don't know. I don't want to I, I always feel like combat veterans, there's a tier. Like I always feel like I'm at the bottom tier because I went in at 18 and just did my time. And I was never, I don't know, I want to say in any real danger. I was in the Persian Gulf for six months in 97. And probably the most danger I was in was when I was on a snorkeling excursion in the Gulf of Oman. And I smashed my ankle on a rock. And the the British guy that was running the like resort thing, I mean, it was just, like, you know, nobody's eating. It was a really bad hole in my ankle that shouldn't be there. So he took me to this little village. And I remember him saying, like, uh, this was back before... You know, that was the first time I ever heard Al-Qaeda. He said, yeah, there's these groups like Al-Qaeda and, you know, they control this village. So don't say anything about being in the military. It could be bad. So like, great. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. So it was really weird. Like, you know, just being in a little village with goats and animals walking in and out of buildings and the hospital facility I was in, there was no doors on it. And it was, I survived, obviously. I'm here. You're here. And everywhere that we've been is not that as important as where we're going. And although we didn't know it, Frank, 
Every decision, every choice we've ever made in our lives has led us to be here, right here, right now, including everybody watching. And there has to be some purpose or grand meaning behind that. So that's my little well, philosophical uh, two cents to just throw in there, you know. Well, I think it's interesting you brought up that comment because Brad is actually my dad. <laughs> oh, geez. So, well, awesome. I think that's great. How old is your um, dad? What? What year? What year was your dad born in? Uh, 1967. Oh, okay. He got. I I was hoping that I wasn't older than your dad, so I'm happy. That makes me happy, Dad. <laughs> Made my night. Um, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? Are you kidding? Any questions me? you have for me? Yeah, well, where are you from? And can you disclose it? Are you from parts unknown, or is there any like? No, I'm I'm originally from uh, near Akron, Ohio. Um, right now, I'm in Cincinnati. I'm going to school there. So, oh, Cincy. Yeah, we want to go to Cincy. We're planning on it. They have an Oktoberfest over there that we want to check out, okay. and the Reds. Um, yeah, how long have you been investing? When did you start dividend investing? Or not just? I mean, I know you talk dividends, but investing in general. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically speaking, I don't know, a while because my uh, my parents had like, um, uh, I forget what it's called. A, I think it's a UTMA. It's like a, a custodial account, yep. Yep. which I didn't like. I didn't um, manage any of it, but I would like contribute some money there. And my mom would like put in a just a basic mutual fund. Um, so I was like, putting some money in there and it was mostly just like my mom saying, Hey, you have some money. Let's put some in there or whatever. And I was like, all right. You know, I didn't really know what was going on too much. Um, but then basically when I turned 18, I just wanted to like, that's when you can, you know, open an account for yourself. So that's when I got started. And, um, I don't know. I didn't obviously didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. Um, just buying random does. stuff yeah. and figuring it out. And then that was like in December of 2019. So that was like right before 2020. And um, probably like, I think right around when the stock market was crashing was just kind of when I was like discovering dividend stocks, I guess you could say. Yep. And so I wish, I wish I discovered it like maybe six months earlier. So I had like a better understanding and could take better advantage of that, but there would be more opportunities. Um, I'm hoping and, for another crash. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I just continued learning from there. And um, like you said, one of the one of the things you talked about earlier was dividend growth. And that's definitely one of the most important things for me at this point in my portfolio. Um, just dividend growth and uh, making sure that growth is sustainable for companies because I have a super long term uh, focus or just a long time for my portfolio to grow. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I would also say though, don't turn a blind eye to non-dividend stocks that can have a yeah. lot of growth yeah. with your, your age. I mean, God, you have tons of time. That's, I mean, that's awesome. And yeah, I just did a video on AT&T and Verizon and they, uh, you know, they're not, I don't really think they're for, they're kind of like bond proxies that have a coupon that grows, but they're a little bit riskier than bonds. But I don't really see why somebody like you should own an AT&T or Verizon. I mean, if you do, that's cool. 
But I just think, man, there's so many other companies out there that have so much more growth potential ahead of them where that's for old fuddy duddies. I think is AT&T and Verizon. Like there's really not going to be much, much growth there. They just pay that dividend. They have a lot of cash coming in and, you know, kind of like a bond proxy. So do you own, what is your favorite non-dividend stock? Do you have one? Um, I would probably just say, I guess Google, um, but so most of my, you know, the majority of my investments are just in like broad market index funds, but yeah. I don't really talk about that because one, it's boring. And two, it's just like, there's not much going on there. Like you just kind of buy it and then you're kind of done with it. There's, I mean, that's how it is for the stocks in my portfolio too, but, um, it's just, there's just not much going on there. So, um, I have the dividend portfolio and then I have, I do have some like growth stocks and mm-hmm. options stuff that I try to do, but you know, those are all kind of like learning, uh, learning opportunities. So I'm really not, I'm not worrying too much at this point about the returns. Um, like I'm certainly yeah. trying to make money and I'm, I am, you know, making some money, but it's just like, I'm not stressing about it or worrying about it because I know I'm learning a lot and you know, the amount of money that I'm going to be able to contribute, you know, or the amount of money I'm contributing now is not very much compared to what I'm going to contribute in the future. So, um, I think it's good to, I guess, have that time to learn without much risk really. So that's kind of where I'm at. Have you read the book, uh, hundred baggers? Oh, I don't remember who it's by, but that was a really cool book on showing like some of the traits on how to find like a monster beverage, you know, companies yeah. that that have really good growth potential that are still not quite discovered yet, I guess. And one thing that is really interesting is like high ownership by the company, like insiders, like when insiders own a lot of the company, like that's a really good sign for a company that's young and growing. And that's that's one of the telltale signs. And then if they don't own their company, that's not showing a lot of um, yeah, that's not showing a lot of faith in the company that you own. But yeah, I would recommend that. Uh, let's see if 100 Baggers book. I'll give the title but, out for um, a second. But. Honestly, I've I tried to like, you know, read books regularly and I generally do. But just recently, I've just found the books I've been reading aren't really related to investing. And I definitely want to start reading some more investing related books. Um, one of the ones I really enjoyed was um, Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. That was like, that's that was really that, good. And I think, good. I think I probably read it like a year ago and I feel like it would probably be, I would probably learn a lot more just by like reading it again now and just having learned more over that year, you know? So that was um, one I really liked. I'm typing it while I'm typing it too. Yeah. It's 100 baggers. Christopher Meyer. Yep. There you go. I got it. That's <laughs> I can stop typing. You guys beat me to it. Did did you find it or did somebody? Uh, I just looked it up. Yeah, there, I, I I enjoy that book. I I bought the hard copy so I could underline things. And like I said, even though it's not a, about dividends, uh, they do talk a little bit about them in there. And you know, so companies that are established are the companies that pay dividends. 
fantastic uh, professor, Aswath Demorderan. I always get his last name wrong. He had a chart that showed when companies start paying a dividend, when they initiate a dividend, they're basically admitting that they're done growing and their earnings over the next four years drop by almost half. Just just because they're, you know, they don't have that earnings trajectory where they're just earning crazy money. Like, so investors will start piling out and, uh, you know, income investors come in, but people that want that big growth start to file out and look for something else. So, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, Richest Man in Babylon from Jake. Dude, that yeah. was a book I read early on, really solid. And yeah, that is the, um, I've listened to it that, on audio. I've definitely heard of it. Oh, you haven't read Richest Man in Babylon? I don't think so. I think it might be on my that, list. Man. It's an easy read. It's a really okay. easy read. I believe people have it on YouTube for free even. And it is definitely one of the books I love. Also, I really, really like the uh, Warren Buffett and the interpretation of financial statements. That is one of my go-tos. That's a book I have just all kinds of crazy lines all over that book. And yeah, there's a ton of books. There's a bunch of dividend investing books that, um, you know, you could just, I mean, you could go to Google and or Amazon and sort by ratings and whatnot. But, but yeah, those ones I would read definitely, Jake. I'm glad you're stoked to read that one. It's a fantastic book. Get it gets into a lot of the uh, Charles, uh, oh, I forgot who wrote it, not Clayton. It'll hit me at three o'clock in the morning. I'll wake up wake startle my wife but yeah there's um lots of books so that's interesting man google that's i i gotta say i i didn't know you were 20 i thought you were maybe like upper 20s so <laughs> that's just I, I don't know that might be a bad thing to say but um i don't know that's not a bad thing to say no right i don't no i don't think so well, you got a lot to learn. You mentioned when something's boring and people don't want to hear about it. A, if you're investing and it's boring, that means you're probably doing it right. And yeah, B, that's true. On, in the wide, wide, wonderful world of YouTube, and this is the tough nut I'm trying to figure out how to crack. If something's boring, I'm trying to like pull the information from it that's useful and helpful and make that not boring which that's a challenge in and of itself to make the boring, not boring, but people do it. And yeah, man, just don't quit at it. Keep going. You know, just like yeah. Jake, be pumped about it. Pumped to talk to people. I'm always talked, happy to talk to everybody here. Would you believe I'm an introvert? You'd probably <laughs> never guess it. <laughs> yeah. I think here. my girlfriend tried to tell me I'm an introvert too. I don't know, but that's what she oh, said. Oh, yeah. I, I clam up when I'm around people I don't know. It's hard for me to break the ice and speak to them unless somebody wants to talk to me about dividend investing. So funny thing, maybe this is the subconscious coming out. I had my um, my sister-in-law, she makes shirts. She does a lot of this stuff. So she didn't make this shirt, which by the way, I don't know where I'm going. Spatula City, open till midnight. They sell spatulas, that's all. Do you have any idea what Spatula City's from? You probably no. don't. Do you know who Weird Al no. Yankovic is? I mean, I've heard of that person. I don't really know. No. <laughs> You're killing me, man. 
it was a comedy movie from the 80s a bunch of stupid spoofs and i saw it when i was a kid and i love it they have this this all this it's a store that all they do is sell spatulas and they're open till midnight you buy 10 spatulas get the 11th for a penny you know because anyway um ah damn it i'm being stupid silly i forgot what i was gonna say what was i saying i had some great point to make ah i don't know either it's gone into the ether it's away and it's gonna come back and hit me in the middle of the night that's the problem when these thoughts float away they come back like a boomerang and i lose sleep yeah anyway does anyone have any questions from the audience let's hear i was gonna say something good yeah i'm trying to think of what you were talking about oh well that's okay well yeah but one thing yeah go ahead one thing you were saying is like Oh, um, no, I got it. I got it. It came back. It came back. The shirts. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to German Fest in Milwaukee this weekend. If anybody's in the Milwaukee metro area and you're going to be at German Fest, stop by and say hello. Look for the guy wearing the black shirt with the white letters that says dollar sign PEP. So, I, I'm having a pep shirt <laughs> made. So, and I'm probably, and I, I have two others made. She made me a, a J&J one and a uh, dollar sign LMT, which is Lockheed Martin. Big fan of Lockheed Martin. So I'm going to see if anybody notices it because to the uninitiated, dollar sign PEP, nobody's going to know what that is. But, you know, for those that are in the know, those that are in the know like us, you're going to, if some dude was wearing a dollar sign, you know, PG shirt, I would have to walk up and say something, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be if, cool. <laughs> we'll see if that takes off. So yeah, look for the guy wearing the pep shirt, which my kids will probably be trying to keep their distance from. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, Steve, be nice, Steve. <laughs> He's young. We're hey. I don't know the history of you know. Well, I, I'm reading a book on Truman right now. Oh, by the way, for anybody that's still with us and still watching, and they're not in a semi-coma right now hoopla or um hoopla or libby are two great apps i'm i'm pretty uh partial to hoopla right now is an app and if you are in the united states and you have a library card download the hoopla app you up you know plug in your library card information you know they walk you through it and there's just a vast array of free books you get five a month, five like credits, they call them. You don't pay anything for it. It's free. It's through the the library system. And I'm reading a book right now on Harry S. Truman. So it's, it's probably the lengthiest book I've ever read. I think it's like 48 hours long worth of audio, but I do a lot of driving and working. So uh, fantastic place for audio books. That's completely free. Hoopla, everybody check that out. And I cut you off. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. those are no, those are actually two I've I've used both of those, and I'm listening to a book right now on uh, Libby, uh, Atomic Habits, which is really interesting. Yes, so. yes, that is a fantastic book. Uh, that's not James Clear, is it? Yeah, it is. There's a James Clear, yeah, really good book, and I think he talks about Procter and Gamble in that book. I think in because he talks about it might be another book, but I think it was Atomic Habits. I think I'm, I'm probably confusing a book. Anyway, Procter and Gamble, they wanted, they knew people had the habit of 
associated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. smells with cleanliness. So they spent yeah, a lot of they money. Just talked and, about that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that Procter and Gamble was like tapping yeah, they into they went to like uh, well, they went to Pakistan and like people didn't have a lot of access to like soap and water for washing hands. So they like basically gave them this like soap that smelled good and um, got them washing hands. And then they went back, they did this study for like a certain amount of time. And then they went back like five years later and they, they had stopped giving them the soap, but they had gotten into this habit and it was something they enjoyed and it had like benefits. So they just kept getting soap and the, the like hygiene was like way better in these communities because of that. I don't no, it wasn't Life Boy soap. I think Unilever owns Life Boy. But yeah, I've, I've, I don't remember that story. It's kind of coming to me now. It's a little fuzzy. But like I said, I, I read probably, God, upwards of 80 books a year, I would say. I mean, I'm always... Oh, I wish I could something. get to that point. Well, dude, <laughs> this is, I guess, one of the things about the work I do. I leave the house at about 6 45 7 o'clock in the morning and some nights i don't get home until you know 6 6 30 and i so i'm in a work truck i have a work truck that i drive from job to job and some jobs like some days like today i believe i spent close to three and a half hours of drive time today just driving so i get a lot of time to listen to things so that's that's why libby and hoopla have just been awesome because i'm kind of cheap and i don't i don't like audible i don't like that i get stuck with a book at the end of the month and i necessarily might not read it ever again so yeah what did he say jake jake tapper he says canopy is a movie and tv documentary canopy links library really i did not know about it dude i this is why i love this community yeah. yeah exactly that's cool. I'll have to look at that one too. Canopy. All right. I'm Googling it so I can remember. Well, I'd like a question to ask Frank or I a question or I'll ask, I'll start asking him about his personal life if you guys don't. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Canopy. All right. There it is. We're all set. We're plugged in with the canopy. We'll, we'll play around all with right, that later. Great. Yeah, what the, I'll look at that too for sure. How All long right, have you been uh, with your girlfriend for? We want to know too. Frank, inquiring minds want to know. We need to know this stuff. What salacious things? What? How long have you been? Um, about like a year and two months, I think. You're already in trouble. She knows the exact day you met. You're already like a year and two months. <laughs> That's okay. I forget my, you know. My, oh, my, it's actually a year and three months. Sorry. Hey, nice, man. And I have one more question. Did you, how did you meet her? Uh, just like on campus, just around. I you guess, didn't meet on an app on. or on like Tinder or no. uh, all those things. Yeah. I feel no. like I'm a dying breed. Cause like I said, to, you know, tie it back in. I met my wife on a dance floor at three o'clock in the morning. People say that nothing good happens after midnight. Well, I guess I proved that wrong. <laughs> and most people I know, even a lot of people my age, they meet on just these dating apps. And I, I've never had the pleasure of using that. I don't ever plan on doing that. And 
Yeah, that's kind of cool to hear, man. That's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Um, if you look right there, this painting, she painted that, which is awesome. Really nice. Like that painting. It's like an old 70s, like... Uh, a Challenger, yeah. Yeah, Challenger. I was going to say Charger, but... Oh, oh, well, you're wearing a Challenger shirt, man. You oh, yeah, I guess away. I am. Yeah. yeah. See, look at this guy. He's giving. No, cool but what you what you were saying about the apps? Um, my cousin, she met her, uh, who's now her husband on Tinder. I think I don't know if it was Tinder, but somewhere on there, one of those online things. I don't know. Yeah, part of me is jealous. You know. Interesting, but. Hey, I'm. This is coming from a guy that, <laughs> to meet girls, you either met them at school or in clubs or bars, and you had to walk up and actually talk to a yeah. stranger, in a public place, and it's usually how it happens. So, part of me, as it, like I said, as an introvert, is kind of jealous that these people <laughs> just get to swipe left or right, or you get to like talk to somebody, you know. Anyway, so. If we could only invest in that, so look for that technology. The next dating, right? Recession-proof things are dating, um, alcohol, tobacco, unfortunately. Like a lot of comfort stuff, beauty products. People always spend money on beauty products. How to make money. People always want to know how to make money no matter what the market environment is. So those are some of the things that I think are, uh, are recession-proof. So there you go. If anybody wants... Looking for an idea for a business, you can plug it into the field of dating because as long as there's people around, people are going to want to uh, to date. It's only natural. So, <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, dude! An hour and a half we've been on. Good lord. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we need to cover? I'm, I'm good. Um, well, and we could. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to do it again, man, because, you know. Yeah, we can for this, sure. This was too much about me. Now everybody's squared <laughs> away on my backstory. And, and, well, that's, and what, that's what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about you. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's not like we're, I guess we're not doing like, you know, like my top five dividend stocks, you know, list countdown or something like that. Like Casey Kasem. There's another <laughs> old reference. He was a disc jockey that used to do the countdowns. Your dad <laughs> knows who Casey Kasem is. <laughs> all right all right well if nobody right. has anything to say i guess you forever hold your peace yeah um hopefully we'll have uh you on again sometime and i definitely appreciate you taking the time everyone make sure to subscribe to russ um i think he i put the links in the description for his channel um and oh yeah, Jake Jake Tapper. Check you out. The tap man. He just said you're getting close to 1K. That's right. Yeah, getting there. It's, uh, like you said, it's been a humbling experience and you know a slow process, but it's getting there for sure. Well, let me tell you, I've learned a lot. Um, film Booth. Uh, do you know the Film Booth channel on YouTube? No. Check out Film Booth and uh, Video Creators and Think Media. Those three are you and then there's one more channel makers i'll lump him in there too um there's, so that's four channels that are fantastic for just free like some of them have different things you could buy in courses but they tell you how to grow they tell you just little things tips and tricks and i've been implementing a lot of different things so it's a process and it's it yeah. takes time man it takes it takes time so just like investing 
<laughs> you're right. You gotta, you know, you gotta, it'll compound, but you gotta start yeah. and you gotta start putting that money away. And the gains are small at first, but then they'll eventually compound and grow. So, or you could just yeah. go and buy a bunch of bots and get yourself over the one K <laughs> and I won't. So nobody cares. Nobody will tell <laughs> until uh, YouTube does a sweep and clears them all out. So, yeah. All right. Well, I had a good time this evening. Um, thanks for everyone for stopping by. Thanks for Russ for uh, talking to us. And uh, hopefully we will see you all soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, thank you. Thank you, everybody.